When you ask Asian American high schoolers what they want to be when they grow up, you typically hear this. An engineer of doctoration. Well, I want to be like a mechanical engineer. An electrical engineer. Software engineer. Comp side. Probably something to do with physics. Something in the medical field. A cardiothoracic surgeon. Genetic engineer. A cardiologist. I want to be a lawyer, probably a corporate lawyer working at a law firm. I want to be a clinical laboratory scientist. In an academically competitive environment such as the Bay Area, these are the kinds of responses you will commonly get. What you don't often hear is this. An architect. Film and photography. I will be in a job that does not exist as of this moment. These aspirations are commonly discouraged by Asian parents. Instead, they want their children to enter high-class, high-paying fields with clear-cut career paths that increase their children's chances of experiencing financial stability and job security as adults. And when passion comes in conflict with the expectations of your community, there are always those who struggle to swim against the current in spite of the pressures they face. Welcome to episode four of The Voice Box. Today's topic, fighting expectations. Act one. Early in the school year, it's common to see Irvington High School's marching band rehearsing their field show for the homecoming football game. Leading the show is Quinn, who stands on a ladder overseeing the band as one of the ensemble's three drum majors. At school, Quinn practices for band reviews and rehearses sets, just like any other marching band student. But after classes are over and rehearsals are finished, he's working on his own project. I also have no time to do something sun. I literally have no time. It's too Sunday. His composition, Something Sun. Quinn's passion for music began in fifth grade when he picked up the alto saxophone in elementary school band. So my sister kind of insisted me to do the saxophone and me not really knowing how instruments work, I was like, oh, okay. Because, okay, the thing about when people start, especially in elementary years, and like they try to choose an instrument, it, like it's rather uninformed and well it's not like they're gonna hate usually the people don't really hate an instrument after they try it because they just don't know much about it uh that goes the same with me um i started with alto saxophone that would be i think summer of fourth grade i think i borrowed a friend's saxophone or a friend's sister's saxophone and then i moved on into the after school band program at my elementary school and since then his interests in music have grown into a passion for musical composition for wind ensemble the main thing that got me into composing was the summer of my seventh grade year. So that summer was the first year I did Hopkins, or just like the FES, the district summer band, which is a program run by Mr. Gregory Conway. It did open like a door for a much different music in the sense that uh, the music was just harder. It was kind of written differently too. Basically, there was a contrast between what you get from uh, something that's written for like junior high kids versus something you'd write someone would write for um, like a high school group. And I noticed that, wow, music can get to that much different level. Um, uh, we also performed a world premiere of a piece written by uh, a high school senior. I believe her name was Jessica Mao. And we, we, we played a piece called Farrah Fantasia. And the m most important thing about just that sort of instance is that I never really considered writing a piece at all. I just played my music. And after that summer, um, I kept going back to thinking about how I could start writing music. But it's this passion that puts him in direct conflict with his community, 
Because Quinn doesn't treat his compositions as a hobby or extracurricular to pad his college applications, he treats it as his future career, a career that's completely at odds with the vision that his parents and Asian American families as a whole have for their children. It's such a weird stereotype to have associated with your ethnicity, right? That stereotype of like Asian parents wanting their kids to be doctors. Right? It's like such a weird thing to have on your race. Like what is that? Is that good? Is that bad? I thought it was like a good thing. Apparently it's like worthy of mockery, right? <laughs> Asian parents wanting their kids to be doctors. It's weird because it's true. More often than not, Asian American kids like Quinn are pretty much told from a young age that careers in the fine arts and humanities aren't options. But while on the surface, it may seem like these parents fall neatly into the tiger mom stereotype that plagues the Asian community, the reality of the situation is a lot more complicated than that. The reason Asian American parents push careers in medicine, law, technology, anything in the STEM fields on their children is because they are guaranteed paths to high salaries and a successful career. STEM. It stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. There is a school of thought there are more jobs than there are qualified people to fill them. The theory, train more Americans, reduce unemployment, and help the economy. There's no doubt STEM jobs are on the rise. The Department of Commerce predicts they'll grow nearly twice as much as other professions between 2008 and 2018, and that workers in other fields are more likely to be unemployed. So how about wages? The same report shows that STEM workers earn 26% more. In fact, the top 10 paying majors for the graduating class of 2013 were all STEM. This is especially true in a city like Fremont, California, which sits right outside of Silicon Valley, home to tech giants like Facebook and Google, along with hundreds of other startups ready to throw six-figure salaries at computer science majors fresh out of college. When my parents look at computer science as a job, the first thing they see, um, financial security, um, good status, it's a stable job, it's all the good jobiness of all jobs. And the thing that, is probably at the bottom of the list is, well, the topic of the job itself, computer science. And that's almost ironic because that's the, the biggest thing about the job. It's like um, there was a comedy by like Ronnie Chang or something. They just wanted us to be doctors. It was like this obsession. They just wanted us to be doctors. And it's insidious as well because when Asian parents want their kids to be doctors, helping people is like on the bottom of a list of reasons. <laughs> It's so much more practical. I mean, who wouldn't want to save lives? It's kind of like the rhetorical question they've kind of been like pumping up in there in my mind. Like, who wouldn't want the uh, six-figure salary that um, you'd be getting from, you know, a, a CS position or a doctorate position? Who who wouldn't want the status? Who wouldn't want the security and the life that you could live if you had, um, if you took up a job in engineering or in the medical field? And to compare that to the salary and career prospects of musicians and composers, it's obvious why many parents, much like Quinn's, steer their children as far away from those pathways as possible, not because of some malevolent desire to crush dreams, but out of concern for their children's future. My parents would um, kind of overgeneralize it or um, not overgeneralize. They'd um, jump to the extreme conclusion that I'd be living on the streets. There'll be a wasted college investment learning in a useless major. And it's like, imagine if I learned philosophy as a major. Um, 
people would look at me and be like, oh, you majored in philosophy. What are you going to do? And then it would just be silence. These fields are difficult. And we've, I think a lot of us can call back some stories about um, how artists have failed or spent so many, so many years, decades, just trying to get that peak work that would make them better off. And even then, they wouldn't be financially successful and they maybe just get a little bit of fame. And those are all the things that Asian immigrants and parents wouldn't want to risk. But still... The idea that it's only these high-paying jobs that are desirable... Sounds ugly, but it's really about the financial security that I would get if I, um, I would get and bring to them if I were to be in such a job. And probably be interested in it. I'd probably do fine in it. But the question that Quinn finds himself facing is, if he has a slight interest in a high-paying field like computer science, why wouldn't he pursue it? And this is a question a lot of students like Quinn have to ask themselves. There isn't really a simple answer. The conflict that Quinn faces arises from the very fact that there's an extremely logical and worthy reason for him to pursue a career in one of these high-paying fields. And yet... Music touches my heart in a way that uh, no other form of art, media, or just any form of job, life, topic can. And I've been drawn to it ever since. And... Up till now, nothing has been able to come close to um, emulating what it does for me. And it's basically a passion hobby, a passion project, a hopefully passion job. It's, it's hard to fight against when you're a person that can't explain why you love a certain um, art that you would be willing to go into, willing to treat as a job when so few people can even get by of it. To his parents? They would always tell me, it's a hobby. And it's definitely not a career because it's impossible to be a career. It's scary because my parents think that art is, um, it's, it's abstract, it's unlearnable, it's vague. It's all the things that aren't exact. It's all the things that um, aren't paved. It's like I'm pioneering through a different field. And like, they're right. I am pioneering kind of towards a field I've never done. I've rarely played piano. I've never gone through those piano lessons. And hence, I don't know music theory. That's like saying, um, that's like saying I want to be a, let's say it's saying I'm wanting to be a doctor, but then I've never taken a class of biology. So I always question myself whether I would truly take control of my future life, my future occupation, because a, a job is important, not just for the practical financial um, motivations that come behind it, but also as basically what you do in life. And all these philosophical questions, these like um, sort of existential, existential questions kind of always like come at me for the last few, several years. And in the very end, um, I always try to not blame my parents or not um, sort of get angry at them as much as I could be. Uh, and that sounds weird, but the thing is I always try to empathize with them because I understand that um, Asian parents, these ideals come from safety, these come from security, it comes from honor, it comes from respect, and um, my parents obviously want the best for me, so, and in their eyes, the best for me would be a stable job, and their version of a stable job is a computer science position. To be frank, to be frank, the last year or two 
Um, it's been a lot laid back, mainly because I've never really talked to my parents about this anymore because of, you know, the backlash that I fear I would get. And as much as I shouldn't do that because communication is key, um, let's just say that I tried that way more than once. Um, I'd be kind of yelled at, lectured, and said that I'm disillusioned and that I will understand how hard life is and I'm being um, super ungrateful for all the things that I've done considering that they've kind of moved mountains bringing me here because I wouldn't be born otherwise considering that China had its one-child act and one-child policy until recently and they would just basically be saying that if I pursue a music composition I'd be I'll regret it and this guilt tripping it, it, it breaks down people it breaks down me and trying to fight for the what I want, American dream, disillusionment mentality kind of feels um, pitiful and um, sort of useless and just kind of dainty when you're going against the, um, the immense expectations, assumptions that come from Asian culture. As a junior in high school, Quinn knows that sooner or later he's going to have to face this conflict head on for better or worse. Right now, as much as I've hidden that um, sort of I want to be a music composer when I grow up sort of childlike dream, um, the, um, the dawn of like assumptions is coming up soon, considering I'm a junior and um, college applications are bound to be soon. And that comes into the topic of which major are you going to do? What college are you going to go into? And when you have these conversations with these parents, as dreaded as I would have, as I would, uh, as much as I would dread them, um, they would obviously want me to go into, you know, some tech school at Berkeley or maybe UCLA or, uh, um, and their far dreams, Caltech, MIT, whatever. But until then, he'll keep quiet about it all. His music, compositions, aspiration for the future. Whenever his parents say, "Yeah, you're definitely going to need to do CS," or "You're definitely going to CS." All he can do is nod along. All the while, he silently grapples with the two warring images of his future, one of certain but empty success and one of passion with no guarantee of safety and stability. It's sort of forcing me, like forcing me a square peg through a round hole or forcing me to become a round peg because um, that seems like the only way. And right now, the thing is, I'm a square peg. That's the metaphor. And they think I'm a round peg. And I could technically fit in that round peg hole until I, but I don't want to. And there will be that one day that I have to come out of my closet and tell them that I'm a square peg and I am not going to that round hole. And then that sort of explosive reaction would probably take place. And I'm, to be honest, really scared about that one dreadful, fateful day. So... Up to this day, I'm stuck with a. I'm stuck in a limbo between um, the ideals, the job ideals of Asian expectations and from that culture, and I'm stuck with my ideals and my expectations and my dreams and my desires. And to really decide who wins, yes, that's up to me, but I could really eat the consequences in the future. As much as I love music composition, uh, the next few years would definitely test me on how much I'm willing to endure to stay with such a creative art.
Hi, I'm Jeffrey, one of the producers of The Voice Box. What you just heard was part of an experiment we're running for the podcast to make more structured content. If you like what you hear, let us know what type of stories you want to hear on The Voice Box in the future. If you don't like it, send us some comments on what you think we can do better on the podcast. You can email us at irvingtonvoice at gmail.com. The Voice Box is produced by Prahala Chari and apprentice Jeffrey Zhang. This story was created by Jeffrey Zhang and Will Payne. We are advised by Mr. Phillips. Special thanks to Kayla for helping out with the script and Eric with audio. Until then, see you next week. <laughs>